got to learn to praise God even when we haven't seen it happen yet. We're going to praise Him because we know that God is faithful to do what He said He was going to do. And we're going to go ahead and praise Him as if it has already happened. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18, the word of the Lord says that where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, I know that I only underlined one word in that passage of Scripture, and that's the word vision. But there are some other important words in this passage of Scripture. Matter of fact, I think that probably the most important word in this passage is the word no. Notice it says where there is no vision. And unfortunately, in many churches, there is no vision. And in many marriages, there, are, there is no vision. And many people in their companies, they have no vision. Listen, if you just had a little vision, you could change the world. Because I believe that vision is like faith. I believe that vision, if you just have the size of a mustard seed of a vision, that you could do a hundred times more than you are doing right now with your life, with your marriage, with your company, whatever it may be. But the Bible says where there is no vision. And unfortunately, like I said, in many churches, there's no vision. In many marriages, there is no vision. Many companies, there's no vision. And, and, and in many other areas of our lives, you know, like our finances, no vision. Our physical well-being, no vision. And on and on we could go. And the Bible says that where there is no vision. And when I think about the word vision, and, and this is just my definition of what I think vision is, it's the ability to see what's not been seen yet. I think it's that simple. It's the ability to see with spiritual eyes what we have not yet seen with the natural eye. The ability to see what's not been seen yet. And he says that where there is no vision, the ability to see where we haven't seen anything yet, where there is no vision, the people perish. And we could say that where there is no vision, marriages perish. And where there is no visions, companies perish. And where there is no vision, communities perish. And where there is no vision, states perish and nations perish. Where there is no vision. But where there is no vision, the Bible says, the people perish. Now let me just remind you of a few things that vision does. One of the things that vision does is that vision improves focus. It improves focus. Now, see, I can take my small print Bible this morning and I can open this small print Bible and I can hold it right here. And you know what? I can't see a thing clearly. It, it's all blurry to me. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? I used to make fun of my dad when I was younger and dad hit 40 and dad had to start wearing reading glasses. And I told him, I said, dad, you're getting old. You're having to wear reading glasses. He said, son, it'll happen to you one day as well. Just get ready for it. He said, I don't know what it was, but the moment that I hit 40, I had to have glasses. Can I tell you the moment? It was almost like the day 
that I turned 40, I could not see clearly anymore. And, and so I had to get me some glasses like this. And, you know, and if I take these glasses and I put these glasses on, oh, now I can see clearly. Now I can focus on what the words on this page say. And that's what vision does. Vision improves focus. Vision helps us to see things more clearly. So when you have a vision for your marriage, or when you have a vision for your company, or when you have a vision for another area of your life, it's going to help you to see more clearly where that marriage or that company is headed, where it's going. Not only does vision improve our focus, vision inspires. I know I put one too many eyes at the front of that because I'm making sure that you're focusing all right on this. But vision inspires endurance. You know what? If you have a vision of what things can be and should be, then you can get through the most adverse circumstances in life. That's what I've discovered as a pastor. I can get through the most difficult, adverse circumstances in life. And listen to this. I can even deal with the most adverse, critical, negative people if I have a vision. If I know it's not always going to be like it is right now. That at some point in time, things are going to change. And things are going to get better. You see, if you have that kind of vision, you can get through anything. You can deal with anybody and you can deal with anything. It's the same way in your marriage. If you have a vision for your marriage, then when things get difficult in your marriage, you can get through those difficult times because you have a vision of where you're headed. And you're knowing that this marriage will not always always be what it is right now. That we will not always be in the season that we are in right now. Things are going to get better because I'm going to get better. Amen. And how many of you know this morning that if we want our marriages to get better, we got to get better. We got to have a vision for ourselves. So vision inspires endurance. Here's a third thing that vision does is it invites unity. Jamie just talked about that a moment ago, what happened yesterday at City of Lights when we had this, uh, the, the, the brunch for pastors in our area. We didn't know how many pastors were going to show up, and we were pleasantly surprised when more than 20 churches in East Walker County came out because they want to be a part of the vision that City of Lights has. And let me tell you what blessed me. What blessed me is when pastors I had never met got up and spoke for just a moment and they kept saying things like, we've got to be light in our community. They, they used that very phrase, that we've got to be light in our community and eliminate the darkness. You know what? I didn't tell them that. I didn't tell them what the vision of this house was, and that is to, to, to eliminate darkness by being like transforming this community. 32,689 people within a 10-mile radius transformed by the love, the grace, and the mercy of God to see people that are blinded by sin find life and purpose and freedom in Jesus Christ. I didn't tell them all about the being light and eliminate darkness. I didn't have to because it's not my vision. It's God's vision for this community. Community. And when it's God's vision for this community, I don't have to tell them. God will tell them. Amen. 
And, and that's really what I think we need to be after this morning. We don't need to be after, well, what is my vision for my life? What is my vision for my marriage? What is my vision for, for my company? You know, what is my vision for my children? No, it's not about your vision. It's what is God's vision for this house? What is God's vision for this marriage? What is God's vision for my finances? What is God's vision for this community? You know, what is God's vision? Because God's vision will long outlast our vision. Amen? So vision invites unity. It was so awesome to see all of these pastors and churches coming together on the same page. And that's what vision does. It gets us all on the same page. It gets us all headed in the same direction. Amen? How many of you know that we are better together than we are individually? Amen. We can accomplish so much more together than we could trying to do things on our own. And then here's the fourth thing about vision, and that is that vision ignites passion. Because, man, when, when, when you hear God's vision for a place or a God's vision for a marriage or God's vision for some area of your life, when it becomes clear to you, man, you get fired up. I know we had our state minister's meeting here just several months ago, and our administrative bishop got up and he presented a vision that God had given him for the church of God in the state of Alabama. And I want to tell you something. He fired me up. He inspired me with that vision because that's what vision does. It, it fuels us. And that's why I think the Bible says that where there is no vision, the people perish. People run out of gas. The people get weary. People throw in the towel and quit. But this morning, I want to talk to you about the power of vision. And we're going to see an illustration, an example of the power of vision in the life of a man by the name of David. And this is where some of you that attended the renovation meeting with me are going to hear some things that you heard that night. But David, in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, or chapter 28, verse 1, it says that David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, kind of like what's going on here today. We've all come together corporately for this moment. We've all come together corporately to hear the next step that God wants us to take as it relates to his house. And so David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel. And I have people say, Pastor, should we really have a vision for buildings? Shouldn't the vision just be more about people? And shouldn't the vision be more about the community and the needs of the community? Absolutely. The vision should be about people. But this place is a part of reaching the people. Amen? And God wants us to have a vision for this place. He wants us to have a vision for his house. And David did. Look, look at this in 1 Chronicles 28 and 2. It says, Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. Notice, he said, God has put something in my heart. Let me ask you this morning, has God placed something in your heart? Has God put something in your heart as it relates to you individually or as it relates to your marriage or as it relates to your family or as it relates to the company that you were a part of? Has God put something in your heart? David said, this is something that God put in my heart. 
And he said, what God has put in my heart is to build him a house where the Ark of the Covenant, which was symbolic of the presence of God, where the Ark of the Covenant or the presence of God could dwell. Now, here's the first thing that I want you to notice with me today about vision. And that is that vision is imparted by the Spirit of God. Now, I mentor a lot of young ministers. And one thing that I try to tell these young ministers is, yes, read every book that you can. That's going to help you in your calling and attend every conference that you can attend that's going to help you be better at your calling. But don't read a book trying to get God's vision. And don't just go to a conference trying to get God's vision. It may give you clarity about the vision that God's given you. But here's what I believe. I believe that if you want the vision of God, then you've got to spend time with God. You you can't borrow somebody else's vision. Somebody help me here this morning. And and, and we do that a lot of times if we're not careful in the church. We'll see how God is blessing one church and what they're doing. And we'll try to just reproduce that here, thinking that God's going to bless it here. Well, that may not be what God wants to do in this community. And the only way that we can get the vision of God for this house is we've got to seek the face of God. And when we together seek the face of God, then God is going to give us his vision. God's going to put it in our heart. It's inspired by the Spirit of God. Notice what David said. He said, then David gave his son Solomon the plans because even though God put it in the heart of David to build the house, he would not be the one that would actually build it. He would pass the baton to his son Solomon and Solomon would be the one that would actually build the house. But God gave the vision to David and God gave the plan to David. And the plan that he's talking about here are the blueprints. How many of you know that when you go to build, you need blueprints? Or you're going to end up with a mess because this is your vision written down on paper. And notice what it says. David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule. It's houses, it's treasuries, it's upper chambers, it's inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat, and the plans for all that he had. Look at this. Where did he get those plans from? By the Spirit. That's where the plans came from. And that's where the details of the plans came from. And then notice this, not just the plans by the Spirit, but he had plans of the courts, of the house of the Lord, of all the chambers all around, of the treasuries of the house of God, and of the treasuries for the dedicated things. How many of you know that God can be, God God can be a detailed God? (laughs) He don't always give details, but many times he will give details when it comes to his plan and his purpose. For our lives. And then notice he goes on and says, All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plans. He said, As the Spirit of the Lord moved upon me, he said, I began to write down those plans. I began to draw out those blueprints. Can I tell you, it is so important that when God puts something in your heart, when God gives you a vision, it's so important for you to write it down. 
down. You say, well, why is that important? Because you need a point of reference. There are going to be times in your life when you're going to wonder, God, is this dream ever going to come to pass? God, is this vision ever going to be fulfilled? And if you've written it down, you will always have a point of reference that you can go back to and you can open it up and you can look at it and you can read it where it says on this day, at this time, God spoke to me and God said, this is what he wanted and this is what he was going to do. And when you write it down, you have that point of reference as a reminder that God gave you that word and that when God gives you a word, his word will not return unto you void, but every word that God has spoken will come to pass. Amen? And may I tell you that God has given you the blueprint for every area of your life. God has given you the blueprint for your marriage. And God has given you the blueprint for your finances. And God has given you the blueprint for your company. God has given you the blueprint for whatever it is that you need to know about in life. And you know where it is? It's found right here in his word. And it is the inspired word of God. And so if you want to know God's vision for your life, if you want to know God's plan for your life and the details of God's plan, get into the word of God. Amen. The word of God is the will of God for your life. And he wrote it down so that we could have a point of reference and we could go back. And even though it may have been written by Jeremiah or even though it may have been written down on paper by Isaiah or some other prophet or person that God used, it is the inspired words of God, the Holy Spirit to remind you that God is faithful to do what he says that he's going to do. Can we thank God that vision is imparted by the Spirit of God? I've shared this with you before about the plan that he's given to us. How many of you know the old saying, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And that's how we're going to eat this big elephant of all the renovations and repairs that need to be done to our facility and to our campus and even on down the hill to take care of some things at our school. But we've put it down into four phases. And really it's more than four phases because each phase has an A, a B, and a C. Now listen to me, and I'll probably say this again before I'm done this morning. I do not have a release from the Holy Spirit to go to a bank and borrow any money. I still don't have that release. I don't think it's the will of God for the church of God, and I'm talking about not as a denomination, but I'm talking about this place right here. I don't believe it's the will of God for us to go into debt and our hands be tied so that we cannot do the ministry that God has called us to do. I believe that if God put this in our heart, and I do believe that he did, that God is going to provide everything that we need. We may have to take it a little step at a time, but we'll be thankful. When we get to the end, we'll be thankful that we did. And the mauve color up there, you'll never guess what space that, 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 that represents here in our church. That's the sanctuary and all of the hallways and everything. That's phase one. And I'm going to talk to you in a minute about phase 1A. Yeah, see, this is the way I do business meetings. I make a church service out of it. Amen. Because listen. If Holy Spirit don't get in the mix of what's going on in here this morning, we're all just wasting our time. I want it to be Holy Spirit that does the work in this house today to help us see what we cannot yet see with our natural physical eyes. The green phase will be the next phase, phase two. The purple phase, or I'm sorry, the purple phase I believe is phase two. The green is three. The purple is phase four. And we're going to break these down into bite-sized pieces. And we're going to raise the money as we go. We're going to believe God as we go to provide 
provide everything we need. Listen, I've seen it in the past. I know what it's like to borrow money and not be able to sleep at night stressing because we can't pay a mortgage or because we can't take a missions trip because we can't afford it or we can't reach out and feed people in our community because we can't afford it. We cannot get to the place. The Bible says that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is the slave to the lender. I'm not going to be slave to anything or anybody in this world. I'm not going to be in bondage to anybody or anything in this world. I believe we serve a God that if we'll give him an opportunity that God can provide everything that we need. Oh, I think I'm more excited about that than you are. (laughs) Because I know what some of y'all are thinking. Yeah, but he wants to use us to do it. You're right. (laughs) What an honor. Vision's imparted by the Spirit of God. Here's the next thing we need to know, and that is that vision includes the presence of God. Now, now why is that important? Because we serve a big God who dreams big. Matter of fact, the Scripture says that He does exceeding abundantly and above all that we ask or imagine according to the power that works in us, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of faith. That works in us. So if we serve a big God who dreams big, then when he puts something in our heart, listen, it's going to be big. And we're going to need to know that he's got us in this. That he's with us through this. Listen to what David says here. He said, David said to his son Solomon, because here he is, he's got these blueprints. And he said, listen, this is what the Lord gave me here. Solomon, now you're the one to take it and build it. Can you imagine? I don't know how old Solomon was at that time, but he was probably thinking like most of us when God puts something big in our heart, I can't do that. I don't have what it takes to do that. I don't have the ability to do that. David said to him, be strong and of good courage and do it. Mm. I believe the Holy Spirit just spoke to somebody and said, do it. Stop being fearful do it notice what he said and do it do not fear nor be dismayed do you know what keeps you from the greatest opportunities in life fear or trying to figure everything out trying to figure out all the details (laughs) notice david looks at his son and he said son i know it's big because we serve a big god and this, this temple is going to be like something you ain't never seen before in your life. But he looked at him and he said, just do it and don't be afraid for the Lord God, my God, David said, my God will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. I love the way the New Living Translation interprets that. Then David continued, be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged by the size of the task for the Lord God, my God is with you. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, when God gives you a vision, You need to know that that vision includes the presence of God. Amen. And if it includes the presence of God, then we should not fear. We should be strong. We should be bold. We should be courageous and step out and do what it is that God has put in our heart to do. Knowing that God has got our back. It includes the presence of God. But not only that, he said, not only am I guarantee you my presence, but he said, I'm going to make sure you got the people you need to make it happen. 
Because notice what he said. Every willing craftsman will be with you for all manner of workmanship, for every kind of service. Also, the leaders and all the people will be completely at your command. Isn't that awesome? God said, listen, not only am I going to give you a vision, I'm going to guarantee you my presence, but not only am I going to guarantee you my presence, I'm going to make sure you got the people you need to make it happen. Oh, praise God. I believe that everything that we need to make this happen is sitting right here in this house this morning. Look at the person beside you and say, that's you in case you're wondering. Amen. The presence of God, the people of God, we work together. We use the gifts, the talents, the abilities that God has given us. Did you know God will do that even with your marriage? When you get a vision for your marriage, you know what God will do? God will put people in your life that will be a mentor to you. That will help you fulfill and talk to you about what it takes to fulfill that vision that God has given in your life. So you'll have the presence of God and you'll have the people of God. What more could you need than the presence of God and the people of God? Because the people of God represent the resources of God. But you know what? If the people will not respond. Jesus looked at one of his disciples one day when it was time to pay taxes. And he said, go down to the lake put you a worm on a hook and throw that worm and hook out in the water, catch yourself a fish, and when you catch that fish, look in that fish's mouth and the money that you need to pay your taxes will be in that fish. My goodness, if God can supply a need through a fish, Don't you know that we don't have anything to worry or be concerned about? And guess what? I love to fish. I do. So if God has to send me on a supernatural fishing trip to get the resources, listen, he will do it. Do you believe that? Amen. And then here's another thing that vision does. Vision inspires investment by the people of God. You see, when God gives us a vision, people want to invest Listen, if you don't believe enough in the vision God's given you to invest in your own vision, then why do you think others are going to want to invest in your vision? I tell young pastors that all the time. You can't get up and present vision to your church asking them to give all the resources and then you don't give anything. you got to lead the way. And yes, there's going to have to be some investment made by the people as we go into this first step of phase 1A for our facility. Some of you remember that about this time last year, we had a sprinkler head to burst and flooded our facility, the sanctuary area and some of the hallways. And so we have been sitting on some money that the insurance company gave us to come back in and replace carpet and do some paint. But we knew we needed to do more than that in this first initial phase 1A. And this is what we need to do. First of all, the painting, $17,750. But listen, that's to paint all of this. That's to paint the hallways around the sanctuary. That's to paint the foyer. 
That's to paint the men's and women's restrooms out here to take all the wallpaper down and to paint that and then a few other areas. 17750 The popcorn ceiling. I know some of you hate to see it go, but it's got to go. It's starting to fall on its own, and when we begin to try to paint it, it's really going to come down. And when you, some of you are like, I didn't even know we had popcorn ceilings. <laughs> but you see all of this up here and the damage that's been done to that screening up there? We're going we're gonna to fix all of that. We're going to scrape all of that popcorn ceiling down. We're going to smooth it out. We're going to paint it. It's going to look so much nicer. And then also our seating. People have been asking me, are we keeping the pews or are we getting chairs? And the deacons will tell you this as well as anybody else that I've talked to you. Whatever is most economical and whatever it is that causes us to be the best stewards with the resources that God has given us. And so in our... uh, time of of deciding what kind of seating we go with, chairs are going to be much cheaper. Well, I say much cheaper. Chairs are going to be about $3,000 cheaper. That's to get about 1,275 chairs that will replace our pews. And by the way, if anybody wants to buy some pews, we got some for sale if you want to buy some. But that's the most economical thing. And it also gives us so much more flexibility in our facility to be able to move things around, to be able to take things in and take things out so that we can use this room for more things than just Sunday morning. I think it's a shame that we've got a building that'll seat 1,500 people that we can only use one time a week when the whole corporate body comes together, when this could be a facility that could be used for other things throughout the week if we could just be a little bit more flexible and move some things around. 79,569 for those chairs. And that's also going to be enough chairs to, to uh, facilitate all of our classrooms back here on the, on the upper level of our adult class wing. And then the flooring is going to be $91,795. That's to recarpet everything in the sanctuary, all the way up the stage, behind the stage, the hallways, the foyer. Uh, it even is going to be enough carpet to carpet back uh, on the, the upper level of, of the wing where our adult classrooms are down the hallways and in, in the foyer area there. We're going to be able to accomplish a lot, and the grand total is only $212,114. Listen, that's an itty-bitty number in the mind of God this morning. Amen? And here's the good news. We already have about eighty-five to 90000 of that that came to us through our insurance. So all we need to raise now is about $125,000 and it's going to make a huge difference in our facility when people first walk in. Is anybody getting this with me this morning? I hope I'm not laying too much on you right now. But notice what what David said in 1 Chronicles 29. He said, moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, he said, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. Here's what David said, because I'm so passionate about this and because God put this in my heart, he said, I'm going to lead the way. And he said, I'm going to give over and above. 
And here's what David is saying when he said that I'm going to give over and above. He's saying, I'm not going to take what I normally give as my tithe and redesignate that this month to buy chairs. No, he said, what I'm going to do is I'm still going to pay my tithe, but then I'm going to give above and beyond what I normally give in order that we can move forward and build the house of the Lord. And listen, I will never ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. And so this morning I have my tithe check that I'm going to give. And then above that, I'm going to be the first one. I want to buy 10 chairs that we're going to be purchasing. And 10 chairs will cost you about $627.50. Maybe you can't buy 10. Maybe you can buy eight. Maybe you can buy six. Maybe you can buy five. Maybe you can only buy one. But here's what we're asking you. Ever how many chairs you buy, it becomes your responsibility to fill them up. So what kind of faith do you have? Come on, we're, we're going to have a year where we're going to reach the harvest in this community. We're not just buying chairs for the sake of chairs. We're buying chairs believing that God is going to fill up every single one of the chairs that we purchase. And so when I buy a chair, I'm not just paying for a piece of furniture for somebody to come in here and sit on. But when I buy a chair, I'm making an investment in the kingdom of God. And I'm believing that somebody out there who doesn't know Jesus right now is going to get to know Jesus. And they're going to sit in that chair that God helped me to purchase for them to sit in. Oh, somebody ought to get on board with me here this morning above and beyond now listen I wish I could give like David because he said I'm donating more than 112 tons of gold and 260 tons of refined silver sorry I don't have 112 tons of gold and I don't have 262 tons of refined silver but David did and he gave that he led the way as their pastor he led the way as their king but then notice what he says now then who will follow my example so I ask this morning, who will follow my example? So that we don't have to draw this out another six months, 12 months, two years. Matter of fact, we're not. We're going to go ahead after we give you an opportunity to express yourself today. We're going to go ahead and we're going to move forward with this. And we're going to believe that God's going to supply. And that God is going to provide. Because he has been good to us and he's going to continue to be good to us. When he sees that we're using these investments for his kingdom. But he said, now who will follow my example? Who is willing to give offerings to the Lord today? Come here, Carla. I know you don't want to do this, but I'm going to make you do it anyway. Hun, bring me that microphone. And hun, if you'll just come and get ready to close us out. <laughs> like I said, you never know how God might resource you so that you can be a resource in the kingdom of God. Carla came to see me a few weeks ago and I told her I wanted her to share this and she said, no, I can't, Pastor. I don't want people to think that I'm bragging. Well, listen, there's not a more humble person I know than Carla Langley and she's not up here this morning to brag on anybody but God. And what God enabled her to do through a craft and a gift that the Lord has given to her. And that, that's turning red, so I hope that they'll be able to hear you okay. I'm about to fall down. <laughs> Hands are sweating. I didn't want to do this. Uh, for years, I didn't work. I was a stay-at-home mom, and uh, we've got our business, and it struggled. And every week was an act of faith to get our kids to the Christian school and pay our bills. 
And one day, you know, all the kids moved out, and I'm, I was like, God, I feel like I've never done anything. I need to feel like I, you, you've got teachers and nurses and, you know, principals, and you feel a real sense of self-worth from what you do. And yeah. I was just a mom, and I didn't do anything. I liked to paint, and, but, you know, I, nothing ever came from it. Well, one day all the kids moved out, and I was like, God, what do I do now? I feel like, you know, I, goodness, the mic's just shaking. <laughs> I need something to feel like I contribute. And I know my ministry for years was the children, but then, you know, you get up one day and they're not there. And I just, you know, I just started, you know, doing more painting. And uh, in Jane's upper room Sunday school class one morning, I was talking about it. And uh, Jane starts throwing out, well, you need to get yourself a website. You need to do Pinterest, all this kind of stuff. And, and she said, when you start making money, you need to ask God to show you what to do with that money. And I'm like, nobody's going to buy a painting. And, you know, I struggled with that because nobody buys a painting. And uh, it, it wasn't that good, you know. And God told me to start giving paintings. So I started doing that. If I felt led to, I would give somebody a painting. And I tell you, I got a thrill out of doing that. A lot more than if, you know, I had got paid for it. But after a while, I started, uh, I did the Frog Festival one year. I started doing art in the part in Jasper. And I actually sold some paintings. And I had this little zipper pouch back from the homeschooling days. Had a little kitten on it. <laughs> it was one of my girls, and I put the money in that, and Jane told me, she says, when you start making money, you need to ask God, what do you need to do with that money? And I thought, I'm going to buy me some shoes. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> but God, you know, spoke to me and said, it's not a ministry if you buy shoes. So I put the money in there, and I intended to pay tithes on it, and I, a year later, I mean, I didn't sell many paintings a year later. I did another show, and, and each show I would sell a little more, and I put the money in that zipper pouch, and I kept intending to pay tithes, and I kept forgetting. I never would think of it when I was here at church, and you had that meeting a few, you know, this was like three years, and a month or so ago, you had that meeting that Sunday night about casting the vision for the renovations, and the Lord spoke to me. I had never felt what I was supposed to do with that money and it had just sat up in my closet and it wasn't this earth shattering amount but every time I'd look at it I would think somebody liked one of my paintings enough that they gave me money for it and it you know nobody's walking around with millions in the bank nobody I know anyway <laughs> and so it meant a big deal if someone bought one of my paintings so that money was sitting up in my closet and that Sunday night Halfway through yeah. the service, the Lord told me, give that money. And if I was going to guess on God telling me to use it for something, I would have thought City of Light. But I had never felt any pull from the Lord on what to do with that money, so he's just sat up in that closet. And I'll pull it out every now and then, smell of it, and think, <laughs> God... You did this, you know, you did this. You, you had someone like 
a painting and, and it made me feel, I don't know, it made me feel good. But he told me that night, he said, give the money for the building. I thought, well, that, what could you even do with that money? In my mind, somebody's going to be driving by the church one day and God's going to stop them and they're going to come in here and write a two or three million dollar check and then boom, we got our building. And, but God showed me that day, he's probably going to use just regular people and it adds up when people start being obedient. And I threw out a few fleeces because, yes. you know, I thought, you know, I don't trust real well. And I thought, well, God, I, I need confirmation. And I did get that. So, and he told me, he said, Carly, you know why you never paid tithes on it? And I thought, well, you know, I'd always wondered. I'd felt guilty about it. He says, it's because I wanted you to give the whole thing as a seed. And there's a lot of y'all sitting there and you've got a seed. And you may not realize it's a seed, but uh, Amen. would this really be our church if some stranger driving by gave it all? And I have to admit, when I gave you that money, I felt like I could run through a wall. Yes. Because for the first time, I thought, I made an impact. <laughs> and it's just from throwing paint on a canvas, but I made an impact. That's right. Right. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sweetheart. Amen. Notice what it says here in 1 Chronicles 29, 6, and we're about to close. Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals and captains of the army, the king's administrative officers, they all gave willingly for the construction of the temple of God. Look at this. They gave almost 188 tons of gold. 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, and about 3,750 tons of iron. That's a pretty decent offering to build the house of the Lord. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. I bet he did. I bet he did. What pastor wouldn't rejoice over an offering like that? What church wouldn't rejoice? over an offering like that. Which brings us to the last thing about vision, and that is that vision initiates praise to God. What do I mean by that? Look at this, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. And then he says this, he says, both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Now, listen to me. This was not the ribbon-cutting ceremony of the building of the temple. This was not the day they dedicated the temple. This was the day that the vision was cast for the temple. And what did they do? They praised God like they believed that God was going to make it happen. It was a faith praise. It had not happened yet, but they went ahead and praised God anyhow. And that's what you and I have got to learn how to do in our church. We've got to learn to praise God even when we haven't seen it happen yet. We're going to praise Him because we know that 
that God is faithful to do what he said he was going to do. And we're going to go ahead and praise him as if it has already happened. You need to do the same thing in your marriage this morning. You just need to go ahead and praise God that it's already happened. Even though you don't see visibly that it's happened, you need to go ahead and praise God that he's blessing your finances. Even though you don't see it physically in the natural realm right now, you go ahead and praise him by faith because you know it is going to happen in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise him this morning. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.